We got a full boat on board tonight for the Instant Reacts podcast. Mitch, we have hit a milestone. This is episode number 100 of View from the West podcast. We actually, truth be told, we thought we missed it the other night. We thought it was episode 100. And we thought we completely missed it without even, you know, commemorating it. But no, in fact, this is episode 100. So, uh, Mitch, welcome to the welcome to the Instant Reacts podcast. You've been hounding Twitter all night, finding scores, sharing the information. It was a it was a wild night. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of drama tonight throughout all of the conferences that we cover. Um, so it's a pretty pretty good way, I think, to celebrate 100 episodes because, like I said, there was there was a lot on the line throughout each conference this week and a lot of games came down late um that we'll, we'll talk about and some games between unbeatens that were blowouts that kyle will talk about so yeah a lot going on here in week six <laughs> well you mentioned it kyle campmeyer is here kyle you were i think guest number one or guest number two you were definitely on the first episode of you from the west podcast i'm pretty sure you had slimmer first yeah and then i was second but Kyle, you were on the podcast before Mitch was. You realize that? Yeah, I'm more important than Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so we buddy. got Kyle Campmeyer from NUICFootball.com. Of course, he was all over the Northwest Upstate Illini tonight. He was at the big one between Lena Winslow and Dupec. We'll get to that in a second. We also got the score crew in here Matt Randazzo, Corey Cuffler, Brian Stocking. Stock, how do you end up in the sports office and you kick the other two out? Well, uh, I don't know um, that. I just am, uh, I don't know. I just guess I'm, I just got in here at first. I don't know. You're spoiled, you're angry, and we're all scared of you, so we all went <laughs> to other rooms. Uh, he's, he, he's, the he king. he's the king, that's why. He's the king. And he gets paid the most, so... <laughs> Not a chance. All right, boys. What, I, Mitch, where do we start here? Uh, I, I think I think the game with maybe the most implications happened in the Western Big Six. Yeah. Um, looking, I, I guess we'll, we'll start there. I'll run through the scores here real quick. Uh, the one I'm talking about, Sterling, gets the 13-3 win over previously unbeaten Geneseo. Rock Island gets their first win of the season with a 24-14 victory at home over United Township. Quincy just ran all over, passed all over, did everything against Galesburg, 56-19. Uh, Moline won via a forfeit. And your bonus game of the night, to make Dazzo happy, the Rock Island Allman JV team uh, suited up for a Friday night action uh, playing against Seneca. They, they fell. They, lo they lost tonight, but good to see Allman back uh, playing under the lights. Actually, quick note on that one. Really cool kind of story. So Seneca, this would have been, I guess it ended up being, their second forfeit win of the season already. They've had two teams forfeit on them, so they knew they were going to be short another Friday night game tonight. And it's actually their homecoming in Seneca. So credit to, uh, you know, to Allman, to the Pioneers for stepping up and filling that void. So they were able to have 
a Friday night game for homecoming in Seneca. It was a JV game, but great to see Allman out competing on a Friday night again. And, uh, you know, it didn't go the way they would want, you know, for the pioneers, but cool that these two teams were able to get together and kind of make that happen. So anyway, I wanted to, you know, give a quick plug to that. Cause that's a, that's a cool story. And actually Dazza, we won't go too far down the rabbit hole, but Allman's had a little bit of success this fall, right? And the JV level. Yeah. I don't know exactly what, I know they'll drop their first game, but they've probably won two, three or four of their last games. So they've been playing well and numbers are good at the lower levels. So yep. they are definitely getting there. And, and as you mentioned, to get to play on a Friday night, that's one thing they're not doing. They've that's a little Monday night football mainly for Alleman. So to get to play on a Friday night, I, I do believe, and I probably shouldn't even say this, but I know they were in the state of Iowa. They play the small schools are done after week eight. So if you make the playoffs, they start the playoffs early. If not, then you can find another game if you can between teams that haven't played. So there was some talk of maybe Alleman playing a team over on the Iowa side. So I know that's something they're hoping to do too. So they couldn't fill up the entire nine games because when you drop your varsity, some teams take the JV with them, if that makes sense, which it does. So um, yeah, they're getting there and um, Josh Mowak's doing a great job. So they'll get back and it's a process. And I think Riverdale's kind of going through that this year, Um, but making, I talked to guy Derek's this week and making strides and steps. So it's going to be a slow process, but they'll eventually get there. And we'll get back to to hearing Stackpile talk about Holman instead of Alleman. Because two uh, opponents that uh, were Westmont and Walter Christian. They were supposed to play Wal- Walter Christian tonight. Walter Christian doesn't have enough players to fill out the varsity roster. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Because Walter Christian, for a time back about 10, 12 years ago, used to be one of the most dominant small school teams outside of the northwest upstate Illini uh that were out there in one a and two a 2019 Alleman beat Moline and it can go quick yeah. <laughs> it, can, it, can go, it can go south quick so all right let's jump into the game where you know I think the biggest game of the western big six slate tonight Sterling and Geneseo Cuff you were there for a little while it was kind of a defensive slugfest yeah, it definitely was. I got there mid first quarter as Geneseo was driving, eventually got a field goal from Braden Cone, three nothing. And from there was not much. I mean, Geneseo tried to run the ball, but uh Sterling put nine in the box against them and dared them to throw it. Uh when they did throw, they were successful, but it wasn't very often. Um it went into the second quarter, still three nothing, and then uh Sterling faced a fourth and I want to say about ten or eleven. And they threw a 32-yard pass to um, Amazon Admin, I believe is his name. Uh, Nettleton hit him on a 32-yard touchdown pass. It was 7-3 at halftime. I stayed for a drive from each team in the uh, third quarter and then had to leave. And then uh, it came down to the final play there where Genesee was trying to punch it in. Got stopped, I believe, on the one with two seconds left. Turned it over on downs. And then on the very next play, Sterling ran 99 yards for a touchdown to end the game and win it 13 to three. I believe it's the ninth or 10th straight time that Sterling has now beat Geneseo in this uh, storied rivalry that they have. Mitch, were you watching this one for most yeah, most of the night? Yeah, yeah I, I saw the ending to this one. And just like Cuff said, so the clock was running and Geneseo had gotten inside the 10. They were still facing 
fourth and six and they must have it wasn't fourth and goal so they must have had to get to the one or the two and it was Jaron Neal and he kind of bounced to the outside and it, it really looked like he was going to get in and it was uh, Kale uh, Lettergerber who tripped him up and they stopped him I mean it was close enough that the Geneseo sideline was was freaking out they're like, they celebrating yeah. yeah yeah um and the, the refs marked him short and and like Cuff said the next play just trying to run out those I think it was six seconds left just trying to run it run the clock out Holcomb there there was no one up the middle as soon as he hit oh. the hole he was he was gone so yeah it, it was it was wild I think up until that play Sterling had 74 yards of total offense yeah, I know it was a struggle. And one other note on that one, A.J. Weller did not play in the second half of that game. Uh, not clear why or what happened. There was, I know there was a play in the first half. He was he was out blocking. It was after a pitch play. And then it was shortly after that, He that's when he got injured. Something happened. I don't know what happened. Didn't ask. Uh, so hopefully everything works out for him and he can get back and be healthy and be able to play next week. Touchdown pass that Holcomb threw in the second quarter was on a fourth and ten. And the drive, the final drive that Geneseo had, they got down inside the ten. They had first and goal. They got a they were at the three and they got penalized for a delay of game, which pushed them back to the eight. Eventually they got to the six at fourth and goal. He ran they ran the ball to the outside. And you couldn't tell from the FHS camera whether he got in the Genesee sideline exploded that he scored. The refs didn't give it a signal right away. And then one of them, they went like this. So I don't know if it was like he's this short or what this is. But they ruled that he was down and did not get the goal line, which was the line to gain. And then there were six seconds. I thought probably they'll run to the back of the to the end line, wait till the Geneseo rush comes, and then step out the back. And by then, time should expire. They ran up the middle because they were it was inside the one. And once yeah, once he hit the uh, once he got through the middle, it was Katie bar the door. He was gone. Man, thanks for thanks. Repeated everything I just said. I was I was gonna say thanks for recapping everything that was already been said. I, that's the that's the too long didn't read version. Geneseo certainly has now won nine in a row against Geneseo. Eight of them they have held the last eight of them they have held Geneseo to one score or less. The last sentence you said is the only thing that somebody else didn't say. <laughs> Cuff said they Cuff said they lost nine in a row. No, he said ten. Ooh, Scott, you are you are surly. Sterling is 16 and 3 on the road since joining the Western Big Six. 10 and 2 in their last 12 road games. I will say very impressive win tonight for Sterling. A much needed win for Sterling. I mean, I after we kind of you know got done recording last week, Mitch, I I felt like maybe we didn't emphasize, you know, how big this game was. You know how much they really needed this in the grand scheme of things, and I I was really impressed with their effort tonight. I did not know if they would be able to slow down Geneseo just based on what we saw a week ago against Princeton. I did not know if they would be able to, you know, defensively 
slow down this Geneseo team that's been pretty dangerous this year. This is a heck of an effort. This is a great defensive effort and a much-needed win for this Sterling program. Mitch, what do you got? Yeah, well, I was going to say we we we're kind of turning our attention to week eight for the Geneseo-Quincy game, but now it almost flips to next week where it's Sterling and Quincy because they're both unbeaten in Western Big Six play. So now it's coming into that game now that might determine who wins the conference. Yeah, yeah, huge. That's – at Sterling, correct? Yep. I, I yep. believe so. Yep. Yep. Well, and t- a, <laughs> another thing, though, is that it makes makes the tra- tonight in the Western Big Six makes the track look really good. Because you look at Princeton, what they did last week, and for Sterling now to go on the road and be the Geneseo team we've all been really impressed by, almost makes that win look even better. And then we'll get to Rocky and UT in a second, but Rock Island gets the win over UT by double figures. And it was just a short time ago, last time I was there, I was watching Newman go into Rock Island and beat Rock Island. So I think that's the one thing I kind of, when we got done looking at the Western Big Six, and I was like, you know, those track teams that they got two victories over Western Big Six teams, those victories look even better than they already did if they didn't already look good enough, which they're already good enough as was. So, Well, you mentioned you mentioned Quincy. Uh, has Braden Little stopped throwing touchdowns yet, or is he still out there throwing a few more? Probably a few more, yeah. He threw yeah, I think he's still points. adding to his total. Yeah, they did. They they shut it down after half, though. I think, didn't they? Yeah, 56, 56 to five at half. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he'd already thrown what seven touchdowns in the first half. <laughs> so, yeah. What What are the numbers, Mitch? Do you have Do you have some of the numbers there? I'm look. I'm looking. At, I'm looking. Trying to find the tweet right now. Um, no, I don't. I, okay, I don't. that's all right. He was like fifty. He was like fifteen to seventeen, though, and seven touchdowns. I think Dreas Rice was over one hundred and twenty yards in the first half. So, yeah, it was uh, like Dazzo mentioned, fifty-six to five at half. So, it was over. It was over pretty early. Well, we were impressed with Sterling's defensive effort today. They're certainly going to need to continue that, and maybe then a little more, you know, against the Quincy team that is really rolling up the points here. Quincy is six and zero for the first time since 1971. That's the good stuff. That's the gold stock. That's why we pay him six figures, right there, boys. Six figures with uh, four one being uh, minuscule pennies. That's not yes. right. Can be grateful. Uh, I can read. Um, yeah, you could have said thanks. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Cuff and I quit getting paid on like Thursday when we reach reach forty hours. We're working for free tonight. Quincy. Go on. I'm sorry. Quincy was up 28-5 in the first quarter. And it, I mean, they just went right through Galesburg. And I mean, you know, getting back to Sterling, had they lost that game, they would have been two and four. And I don't think they make the playoffs. Now they're three. Why, and three. why are we being negative? Let's talk about I'm their three saying, and three, or they're going to make it. I'm saying now at three and three, there is def- definitely a pathway if they can pull an upset of either uh, Quincy next week or beat Moline in week nine. Yep. There you go. Scenario in which Moline and Sterling could have each been four and four facing each other in week nine. Last year was for the conference title. This year would have been winner goes to playoffs, loser goes home for the, for the winner. But now both teams could very well be uh, playoff bound. Do we know how Galesburg got their five? Was it safety field goal? It was, I know it was field goal. I think that's the only way it could be, Cuff. Well, I know, but I didn't know if how it happened. If the if the safety was Was they sacked somebody in in the end zone, if it was out of the back of the end, I don't know how it happened. Um, can we hold on real quick? Can we uh, 
Let's get a quick correction on the on the Instant Reacts podcast here. It's Sam Satisky, who is the kicker for Galesburg. Yes, yes. I believe that tonight we called him Stansky, and the week before we called him like Statsky, Statsky or something. Yeah, yeah so that we, was me with Statsky. <laughs> so we butchered it like two or three weeks. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're, equal, we're equally consistent with butchering it. I remember because I think I figured it out. It's just Satisky. Satisky. Yeah, yeah, I think I figured it out, but it was Cuff's game tonight. When he said, I was like, ah, but I got it wrong last week. So now we're good. Camille <laughs> will get the game next week and she'll and, butcher it next week. Yeah. So yeah. It'll all be good. Um, And I do want to mention Rock Island real fast because yep. it's been a trying season, first year for, for uh, Fritz Diodone. And to, to get a victory over a UT team that has been playing better. And I was just talking earlier today about maybe that could be a team that gets hot, can make a playoff for it. You know, if they win out because they have a, a a forfeit game and then they have Galesburg still out there. And if they got Rock Island tonight and, you know, they get Moline next week, you kind of thought about maybe them getting there. Rock Island gets the job done. And the thing that I think I, I, I noticed tonight with Rock Island, they're not as explosive anywhere near explosive offensively. And that's been their problem this year, but quietly that defense is pretty good. And for years, that defense has been really bad. And to hold a UT team that, I mean, Cuff, you went to, to the Soul Bowl last week and watched them against Quincy and they went back and up and down the field and to give up 14 points to United Township that can score some points and have plenty of explosive players. Um, this, this is the one thing it's a one in five season so far. It's been disappointing, all those kind of things. But to get a win, get off the schneid, get Fritz's first victory at Rock Island, and then for the defense to be playing the way they've been playing, uh, there's something to build on there. And I think Rock Island's always going to be fine eventually offensively. So they that can that can be fixed. So the uh, the silver lining is the defense has been playing much better for Rock Island this year, despite the record. Rock Island was down 14-10 in the third quarter. They were up at halftime, 10-7. They fell behind in the third quarter. Looked like maybe UT had seized the momentum. And then Rocky uh, changes the tack, changes the uh, pattern of the game. They go, they score the next 14 points, the final 14 points of the game, win 24-14. Rocky had never gone 0-6 before, and they're still never 0-6. So a great win by Rocky. Coming from behind in the second half, Showing um, some, showing some uh, poise, and um, you never know, maybe getting some momentum, building momentum for next year. Because I don't think they'll get in the playoffs, but they're building momentum now for next year, and that's the important thing. Get the honor the seniors, get the senior, have the senior, have senior night, have a good night on senior night, and keep building momentum for next season. Yes. Okay. We wrapped up the big six here. We good. Oh, Let's and one, other, one final note, Rockies won 12 in a row against UT. Okay, now we've wrapped it up. Congratulations to Coach Fritz getting his first win at Rock Island. Let's go from the big schools down to the small schools. That's why we brought in Kyle Kampmeyer. He was walking the sidelines at an undefeated matchup between Dupec and Lena Winslow. And hey, Surprise, surprise. Lena Winslow looks good in a big game. You were there, Kyle. Give us the give us the rundown here. 48-27 final, but it seemed like it wasn't. I mean, it, it was Dupec putting up some points late, right? I mean, this game was kind of ugly early. Yeah, I mean, when you took a look at the game, Lena Winslow was in control right from the onset. 
Dupec was able to move the ball a little bit early on, but Lena Winslow, of course, they were able to make some stops defensively. And then right out of the shoots, you know, um, Gage Dunker hit a 75-yard run on the second play from scrimmage for Lena Winslow to give them the early eight to nothing lead. Then they got a then Dupac drove all the way down the field, and then Lena Winslow capitalized on a big interception from uh, Jalen Urkowska. That's uh, he had two interceptions last week against St. Teresa, and now he's got another one. So three interceptions in two weeks here. Um, that was a big one too, and then that sparked another drive by Lena Winslow that put them up fourteen to nothing. Then they uh, forced a turnover on downs. No, they got a punt. They forced a punt. And then uh, Colbert Lynch, who has come on the scene here recently for Lena Winslow, ran in from 48 yards out to put him up 22 to nothing. Then they got another dunker touchdown run to go up 28. So, yeah, the game was out of out of control. But when you take a look at it, Dupac started to score late. We got a touchdown uh, right at the end of the uh, first half with Jalen now hitting Drew Williams for 23 yards and a score. Outside of that, the whole second half was just them trading blows back and forth. But by that time, it was too late as uh, Lena Winslow's first drive of the second half chewed up almost the entire third quarter to put them up 34 to seven before they just put it away altogether. So tell me a little bit about, obviously, you know, what more can you say about this Lena Winslow program? You know, year in and year out, they're the, they're the top team in class 1A. They're the top team in the NUIC for the most part, you know. What, but what is it, what do you think it is this year? What is this year's group doing that, that's making them successful? They don't want to be the next class that lets the history go to waste. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really what it is. I, I mentioned it to I met up with some people from Lena before the game and um, I, I, I kind of likened this team to last year's team. Last year's team had a lot of focus. It reminded me a lot of the 2010 team with the focus and the mental aspects of the game. Nothing was too big for them. Um, and last year was the same way. This year's team is identical to last year's team in, in, in that respect in that regard. And it's, it's one of those things where as a high school kids, you know, it's hard to get them to stay focused all the time when you're talking about 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds. And um, these guys just, they know what they want there and they're all on the same page. And it's, it's, it's fun to watch this game here really went the way I thought it would go. Lena Winslow's line, just so dominant. There's nobody up here that matches up with them on the, offensive or defensive lines and I don't think we'll see anybody do that until state unless something drastic happens yeah stock I got some I got some stockpile gold here Panthers tie an NUIC record for consecutive wins with 25 very good and head coach Rick Arend wins his 240th game all time so I think when you look at Lee Wynn, tonight's game was a game they're not going to lose. And the reason I say that is Dupec was unbeaten. There was a lot of talk. Maybe Dupec will be the team that get that finally slays the dragon. And Lee Wynn's like, all right, this is a big game because we're 5-0, they're 5-0. And, 
and they're going to be definitely a lot, very invested. The, I think if Lee Wynn loses, and I say if, because they are a very excellent football team, it's going to be from some team that is maybe got a, doesn't have the sparkling record or maybe gets them on a bad night and gets them at their home because Lee Wynn just has that gear that when it's go, you know, they're, it's almost like, it's going to sound weird, but I'm going to, it's like Secretariat. When Secretariat was racing and was going down the stretch, you knew Secretariat was going to hit that another, another gear that no one else had. Same thing with Lee Wynn. When they come down the stretch or it's a big game, they find another gear that no one else has. Stocking, kind of like what's... It's kind of like when you start talking, Stock, you hit another gear and we all just kind of tune out. <laughs> Stock. All, all, I took, all I took from that is that Lena Winslow should be on upset alert against EPC next week. Well, EPC, <laughs> though, they uh, blew out Aurora Central Catholic at Aurora 40-15. to 15. Yes, there you go. Stock, what's your favorite secretariat race of all time? The Belmont in 73. Perfect. I knew you'd have one, so that's great. Which, okay. by the way, he was not born for. He was not even alive. <laughs> I've seen that on video. Okay. What else? What a, give me the score, Stock. Let's go. NUIC. From the Northwest of San Illini with the purveyor of NYUIC <laughs> football, uh, giving us, us, us all the scores. Uh, Fulton beat Galena 18-7. Dom Kramer, two touchdown passes. Lee Wynn beats Dupac, as we mentioned, 48-27. Forreston staying hot. They beat Stockton 22-8. Dakota beats West Carroll 48-0. And EPC upends Aurora Central Catholic 40-15. Aurora Central Catholic's final two games are against Three, River, Three Rivers opponents. Yeah, they've had a lot of games from around our area just because <sighs> teams needed to fill a schedule, you know, holding the schedule. All right, Kyle, of all those results, what stands out to you? What um, What's worth noting here? Uh, you know, uh, we are all high on force in the start of the year. And obviously, you know, they punched their ticket to get to the playoffs or six and oh, but still a 22 to eight win over Stockton, uh, doesn't seem to be very exciting. I, I think that Forreston's just good enough to be able to win some of these games and, and they're doing it. But I think when you get to weeks eight and nine and they got to play Dupec and Lena Winslow, I don't, I don't know if they're going to be in those games to be honest, but you never know. We've seen different things happen. Um, Stockton actually outgained uh, Forreston on the night two twenty four to two Oh two. So, um, you know, they got down early 16 and nothing. I think it was in the first quarter. And after that, the last three quarters, it was neck and neck the whole game. So Stockton, again, had opportunities to do some things similar to what they had against Dupec back in week one and just couldn't capitalize or, or finish the deal. And, you know, going up against a team like Forrest, and you just can't do that. Mitch, you had your hand up. You look like you got something here. Yeah, I was just looking at Forreston's record and just kind of Adding on to Kyle's point, just looking at their wins, they've won by four, by 10. They've won three games by 14, and then excluding the win against West Carroll. So, yeah, they, they just don't seem to be as explosive as they've been in years past. Um, certainly that, that defense is, is really good, but I, I can't help but think if they're unbeaten, which they've still got to play GCMS and Dupac before they get to Lena, so the, the hardest part of their schedule is still coming up. I, I just 
I don't know. Kyle, Kyle would know better than me. I don't, I don't see, I look, I see the, Alina at six and zero and a Forreston at six and zero, but they're very different, and it's almost like they're in different tiers, even though they have the same record. Yep, yep. Anything else from the NUIC? We we cover it here. All right, we're good. We're good. Let's the, go. If the panel is quiet, we'll we will move along. We got to wake up Dazzo here. How you doing there? Have you noticed that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm tired. Just catch a little nap in there. I'm tired. Nothing to do with any of your guys' riveting conversation stock. <laughs> but uh, it's been a long day. All right. I'm all, I'm all comfy out here in the lobby. There you go. Because I got kicked out of my office. But that's, that's right. Point. That's right. Stop, or, uh, Mitch, give us some three rivers scores. Okay. Well, there, was, there was some good drama in the in the three rivers tonight. Uh, Greg, you were here. Princeton gets the big win 37-14 to over Kiwani. Newman scores with under two minutes to play to pull ahead and stay ahead of BV, 20-14. to 14. Hall overcame a 16-0 deficit to win 32-24 to 24 over uh, Chillicothe. Mendota and Riverdale play tomorrow. Morrison ran away late from Sherrard. It was 21-14 at half. It ends up 42-14, to 14, a final there. And then uh, Monmouth Roosevelt goes to Rock Ridge tomorrow. Uh, but the game of the night maybe from everything that we covered the way this one ended uh, was Erie Prophetstown getting the walk-off over Orion 35 to 34 scoring a touchdown and converting a two point uh, conversion with no time on the clock to end it. And that it does not get any closer than that two point conversion. He no. catches it right at the goal line and right at the end line and manages to get the ball across the plane as he's kind of like falling out of bounds. What an effort. Great win for Erie Prophetstown. Yeah, and that, that was Dimitri Larson who caught that pass, but he had two just as important plays prior to that because uh, EP was down, and it was under a minute left, and they were driving. And I want to say they had the ball on their own 40, maybe, and Jeremiah Kochevar just launches one deep and Larson is there and catches it, I don't know, maybe at the 20 or so and fights off four or five charger defenders and gets down inside the five. Very next play, uh, he runs kind of a corner route. Kochevar throws it right into the corner. It was a perfect pass. He catches that for the touchdown. And then sure enough, he's the target again on the two-point conversion. So um, I, I sent a message to Coach Whitebread after the after the game, and Larson also uh, forced a fumble and handed interception. So quite the night for Dimitri Larson for Erie. Awesome, Erie Prophecy. Sorry, Erie Prophecy. Yeah, come on. Forty of Newman's, I think. Um, and yeah, they were. It was like twenty seconds left. They got down to six seconds. Then they had a. I think they had a false start because they they. They 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 uh, spiked it, and then I think they had a. Did they have a false start in there somewhere? And then they threw it to the back of the end zone. Like you said, it, amazing comeback for Erie Prophetstown, a heartbreak hotel for Orient. And when I was in the Three Rivers, you always went for two because no one had a kicker, and both teams had kicked extra points during the night. You didn't know whether they were going to go for one or two. They rolled the dice, and it came up. Uh, it came up gold for Yeah. Credit, you know, congrats to Coach Whitebread and to Erie Prophetstown. They were close 
early in that game against Morrison. They grabbed the lead against Morrison, couldn't hold on to that one. So they've played some competitive football, just had not been able to close out a win. So to have a thrilling win like this, like these players earned it. You know, they, they've they've fought hard this season and they were able to come away with a win. Mitch. Yeah, so in, in that message to Coach Whitebread, his quote was verbatim, whoever said the first one is the toughest was right. Yeah. So yeah, that... rest him on rest him on his first win. Yeah. And yeah. and the, the decision go for two was right. I get all the momentum in the world. You're on yep. the road. Um, you know, why not why go to overtime and all that kind of stuff when you, you need to get two, three yards to to win the thing. So yep. yeah, we watched in the in the lounge right when I got back and stockpile was going crazy. And rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah. Warranted. So um, well, I spent the night um in Princeton. Princeton and Kiwani met for the 125th time. Amazing. That rivalry is one of the best in the state and certainly one of the best in our area. They play for an amazing uh, trophy, a, a rivalry trophy. And uh, that that thing is big and it's heavy. You should see like when uh, when the athletic director from Princeton like hauled it off the bench and I'm following him out in the field and he's like, man, I'm, I'm ready to hand this thing off. This thing's heavy. Like it, it was funny watching him. But um, anyway, great game from Princeton and also a great effort from Kiwani. Early in this one, Princeton strikes first. They come out, I, I believe it was their first drive of the game. They hit a huge touchdown pass over the top to Noah Laporte, the dynamic wide receiver that we've talked a lot about. He comes away with a touchdown. By the way, he ran like right into my lens and celebrated, which was amazing. I love that. Um, hey, can, I inter- can I interject real quick? It was shot very well by you, by the way. I, I was one thing that I thank you. shot very well. Thank you. I actually, for a second, I panicked on that first touchdown pass because you know once in a while when the quarterback rolls and kind of gets covered up by linemen and then all you see is his arm go back, but you can't really see the ball. There was like a split second where I did not know where the ball was at. And I just, I kind of, I just caught it in the air and it was perfect. It, it went right over the middle. And like I said, Laporte caught it and was like right in my lens. It was awesome. So anyway, they struck first and you thought, okay, big plays from Princeton. That's really going to hamper. That's going to, you know, be the end of Kiwani early in this one. If they can't slow down those big plays. And sure enough, they did. They played really hard physical defense they really were able to limit what Princeton was doing on offense early on in this one. That being said, Princeton wasn't exactly helping themselves out a few penalties here and there, but either way, Kiwani hung around, they hung around, they made the tackles. They weren't letting guys free for big gains. And they managed to, on the other end, managed to do just enough. Brady Clark was scrambling for his life back there with, with Princeton, with Princeton on him all game, especially in that first half. And he managed to get enough, make enough plays and um, found a touchdown pass. Uh, wide receiver made a nice play. It was Colson Wellgate. Well, what, what gate? I don't have the name in front of me. I butchered it, so I can't tell you. Yeah, Colson was his first name. Anyway, with a W. Anyway, he, uh, he made a nice catch on the sideline, managed to keep his feet in bounds and tie the game up at halftime. Second half, man, Princeton came out, you know, they were, they were firing on all cylinders in the second. 
They scored, I believe, on their first drive. At one point, they had a, capitalized on a turnover from Kiwani and scored a couple more times. And Stock, tell me what it was in that third quarter. What was what? It was Katie bar the door. You're not paying attention, are you? <laughs> I was paying attention. I didn't know what he was uh, requ- requesting. I- uh, yeah, Princeton, it was se- uh, it was 7-7 at the half, and Princeton outscored them 22 to nothing in that third quarter. Yeah. And, yeah, Katie barred the door real quick. <laughs> so impressed by Kiwani, or impressed by Kiwani's effort in that first half, but this this Princeton team, you know, outside of one bad series and and credit to Morrison Morrison made the plays in that game but they are 40 some seconds away from being undefeated this season Mitch what do you got yeah well I was gonna flip it to Kyle because Kyle's had a pretty good eye on what 3A is looking like and what Princeton has left is is Bureau Valley Mendota and Hall so I fully anticipate Princeton to be eight and one going into into 3A so we kind of know that Byron has been the top dog certainly last year and they've been playing like it this year. I think they put up 50 more tonight, but I'm just curious on Kyle, the way Princeton's playing, you know, are are they going to be able to put up another effort that gets them into the quarterfinals or even further? Certainly seedings will depend on that, but it seems to me like Princeton, despite that loss, and we kind of maybe questioned what they would look like this year. Now they're back on the right track. Well, you know, that's, that's a great thing. Three North is loaded. I mean, even, with the ex- excluding tonight, so going into tonight's games, your top four teams in 3A North were Montini Catholic, Byron, Princeton, and Dupac. Now, I don't think Dupac is definitely at the same level as Byron, Montini, or Princeton right now. Um, and that's just mainly on line play. I think if you were to give Dupac a better line and put them in there with the skill guys that they have, explosive, absolutely explosive but they're just not going to match up front with these other three schools. I think Princeton right now sits at number three, as far as three, a North goes. And, you know, like you said, depending on how the seedings drop a quarterfinal run, semifinal run is still very much a possibility for the Tigers. Princeton is 21 and one at home in their last 22 home games in the regular season. Princeton just doesn't lose at home. Fear the stripes. Am I right? Oh yeah. Fear the stripes. Indeed. I got to give, I got to give shout outs, a couple shout outs. Um, former Newman head coach now at Western Illinois, Brandon Kretzmer was there. It's a bye week for the Leathernecks. So he was there checking out um, one of his um, commits that's headed to um, headed to Payne Western Miller. Illinois. What's that? Payne Miller. Correct. Yes. Thank you for helping me out there. So he was there and also looking at, you know, some other potential, uh, you know, recruits down the way for Western Illinois. So good to see him. Really good guy. Um, fun to talk football with him, you know, a couple different times. Also, um, Tim Atwell, the athletic director for Kiwani, such a good guy. He he stopped me afterwards. Thank me for being there. Really great guy. Um, good to see him. And of course, walking the sidelines with Kevin Hieronymus from the Bureau County Republican, get a ton of information from him. He's always, you know, fun to be around on the sidelines. So just, it was great. Fun night at Princeton. Mitch, what do you got? Did I was going to ask you, do you know, did Bennett Williams play? He did not. No, he was on the sideline, had a, okay. had a cast or had a crutch. And so uh, I'm not sure 
what the time frame is, but he was not in today. Yeah. Okay. Hey, so, the Western the Western coaches were out everywhere because there was one out in Geneseo as well. Yeah. I'm assuming looking at Lucas Austin. I'm assuming that's who he was looking at, but who knows who else he was looking at from Geneseo. Isn't Larry? Isn't uh, Luke Johnson going to Western? Luke, yeah, Luke Johnson's going there too, but yeah. he might have been looking at Lucas Austin because I know he hasn't committed yet. Sure. Mitch, nice win for the uh, Mustangs tonight. Morrison gets the 42-14 win in a game that we thought, you know, there'd be potential for Sherrard to hang around in this one with the athletes that they have. But, man, Morrison is just each week looking impressive. Yeah, it was it was early. They went back and forth. It was 7-0, 7-7, 14-7, 14-14 before Morrison went up 21-14 at half and then, and then – pulled away in the second half. So Ty Taylor, our guy, uh, he was there with WRMJ. He tweeted out that Mustangs had 494 yards offense. So pretty typical for them um, with, with their attack. So, yeah, a, a game that we thought Sherrard could hang around, and they did early, but uh, Morrison just continues to impress. Yeah. Nice win for Sterling Newman, getting a 2014 win over Bureau Valley. Carter Rood with the go-ahead 25-yard touchdown run with under two minutes to play. Defense sacks Bureau Valley twice to end the game. So, of course, Newman's winning football games, and it's it's defense that's getting the job done. So, um, holding Bureau Valley. Helmets. Yeah, yeah, really cool there. A throwback to helmets they wore in 1990, and that was the year, the first year they won a state title. Yep. Awesome. Really cool. Well done. Well done, uh, Coach LeMay and that program. That's a cool, uh, cool throwback look. Stock, you're holding your pen up. You're waving around. You got something to say. I watched uh, part of that game on NFHS Network, and I was really impressed by the way Bureau Valley played tonight. They could have easily come in. You know, Newman took an early lead. Bureau Valley could have easily folded. They did. They kept. They kept moving all the all night. Um, Newman also had some uncharacteristic penalties early. Uh, they had a sack that would have probably ended a drive or put uh, Bureau Valley way behind the sticks, but got uh, waved off due to a face mask penalty, which gave Bureau Valley a first down. And Bureau Valley was down 14-6. They came back, tied it, went for two, got it, made it 14-0. And they got down to the Newman 25 on that last drive. And then the first, the first sack pushed him back to the 38. Then the other sack ended the game at the 45-yard line. But a great effort by Bureau Valley. Um, they were they they were in this game and they gave it a very good shot a very good uh, opportunity. They almost went. Newman's won 12 in a row in the series, and they're 10 and five in their last 15 at home. And also tonight, Paul with the big victory over Chillicothe IVC 32-24. And yeah. IVC had the lead 16-12. I think it was 16 nothing at one point before Hall made the rally to come back. Yep. Yep. Should we move over to the LLC? Indeed, we should. It's all business in the LLC. Stock, I think it's your turn. Give us some scores. Mercer County beats Elmwood Brimfield down on the road 20 to 12. Farmington beats Macomb 28 to 6. West Hancock and LVC will be tomorrow. Knoxville beats Illinois West 42 to 42 to 12. Anawan Weathersfield beats Havana 42 nothing. Stark County rallies to upend Rova Williams Field at Bill Adams Field 24-14. A-Town tops United 42-22. Princeville beats South Fulton 34-32. to 
and Rushville Industry loses to Hayward, 42-22. Well, let's start with the matchup of undefeateds. Stark County getting the win over Rova Williams Field, 24-14. Adrian Manzano hits a 22-yard field goal to take the lead early in the fourth quarter, and then it's a Luke Rewerts touchdown that seals the win. Rebels now sitting on top of the LLC small division. They've already taken care of business when it comes to Rova Williams Field and Anawan Weathersfield, the two teams that we had pegged as the top of the conference. So good job to the Rebels, Mitch. They, you know, they're they're proving us wrong because we were high on Rova Williams Field and Anawan Weathersfield, and I think we thought Stark County would be good. But I don't know if we saw a win over both of these programs coming. Yeah, no, I, I think we we said it was going to be between Rover Williams Field and, and Anawan Weatherfield, like you just said. So Stark County just kind of snuck up on us a little bit. But, yeah, they're, they're playing great. I, I think the hardest part of their schedule is past them now. They, they've got to play Princeville next week, which Princeville, again, continues to be a sneaky good team. They're now sitting at 4-2. and two, But uh, Stark County has a real shot at going undefeated here and, and winning the conference. So I think they came back. I think they were down 14 nothing tonight, and then they scored uh, the remaining uh, – I think they scored 17, 17 straight, and then, yeah. But, yeah, great win for the Rebels, and, yeah, that's all I got to say, I guess. How was – How was – We just came talking in the morning. How was uh, Dan Pearson's video tonight? He was, he was there. Oh, as, as somebody, Greg, who you know and I know, he said – they would say it's delicious video. Delicious. It was, real, it was really good video. Delicious. Um, of course it was. Hey, um, I think the last time Stark County went undefeated or just late into the season without a loss, didn't they go? Was that 2015? They went to the yes. state championship game that year. Yes. So, yep. I mean, not not putting them in there already, but obviously it's a team that uh, has has everything together right now and playing some really good football. Mitch, you had. Yeah, Kyle, where do you where do you project Stark County? <clears throat> where do I have them at? Eight and one, I think. Was it? Hold on. I gotta take a look here. I don't remember where I had them. Let me see. Either way. Yeah. I got it right here. Where we got Stark. <clears throat> Oops, that's eight, man. We don't want that. Stark County. Oh, nine and oh. Had them at nine and oh. Okay. Three seed. Yeah. Yeah, that, that 1A North is just unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. This Stark County team, you know, week in and week out, they continue to continue to prove themselves. And they got, you know, at least two, I would say, you know, kind of marquee wins under their belt. So um, see if they can continue to keep getting the job done. You know, speaking of, you know, getting the job done outside of that one point loss to Stark County, Anawan Weathersfield is taking care of business. You know, they still have a matchup with Rova Williamsfield. What next week, two weeks. No, they play Farmington next week and then they oh. play Rova Williamsfield in week eight. Wow. So, okay. So they got the meat of their, they got some tough games coming up then for sure. They took care of business tonight, 42, nothing. They've been putting up some big scores. Um, like you mentioned, Princeville got the win tonight. On the big side of things, Mercer County got a much-needed win over Elmwood-Brimfield. Um, Knoxville continues to get the job done, and Farmington continues to get the job done as well. We're still on that collision course for Farmington-Knoxville in Week 9. 
Catalan Weathersfield has four shutouts. The last time they shut out four teams was 2019. They still got three games left in the season to uh, add to that total. <clears throat> this was their third straight shutout in a row, which is the most in school history for shutouts, consecutive shutouts. And Dylan Horry had a touchdown run and a touchdown pass to get Anawan Weathersfield out of the way. Havana turned the ball over early. Uh, Havana turned the ball over down 7 nothing, And Anawan Weathersfield needed like three plays, 12 yards, touchdown. And it was 14 nothing at that point. And the game was played at Anawan. And the Anawan athletic field, just a beautiful sight for high school football. Trees line the field. You know, it, it just you just it just felt like old style high school football back, you know, back in the you know back in the day. It's it's uh, one a.m. and stocks getting poetic about <laughs> hey. when trees existed. <laughs> <laughs> I will hey. stock. I agree. I, I love I love going to a game at Anawan. It's it's a throwback. It's old school. What do you got, Cuff? So. Mercer County is now three and three, but does it seem to me like they're still trying to figure out exactly who they kind of are? I know they had some injuries and things of that nature, but obviously they beat a one and four team, now one and five team in Elwood Brimfield. But it just seems like week to week they kind of play to their opponent or maybe sometimes below their opponent on the weeks that they've lost. Um, does it feel like maybe this hopefully is a turning point for them where they get a couple more wins and, and get playoff eligible? Is it is it is that just me or do you guys think that as well? Well, I think tonight they uh, did. They went back a little bit to the old school. They went. They ran the option a lot. Um, Tanner Whitehall had two touchdown runs and had a fumble return as time expired in the first half for his third touchdown in the game, and that was uh, essentially uh, sealed the deal. Even though uh, Elmwood Brimfield did come back and score a touchdown to make it twenty to twelve, um, they ran the option, and both of Whitehall's uh, Whitehall's touchdown runs came on the option. So. You know, Mercer County, I think, is trying to gain people healthy. Colby Cox made the uh, game-sealing interception late in the fourth quarter with, with under two minutes to go. And I know they were getting, they got some people back, according to WRMJ's uh, radio cast of the game. So maybe they've, you know, they get two, they win two more games, they'll be in the playoffs. Well, and I was just going to say, you look down their schedule, this was, a, this was a huge win because they got Illini West next week. They got McComb in week eight. And they have West Hancock in week nine. I think all those games are winnable if, like Cuff, if you said it, like you said, if if this Mercer County team can show up consistently, you know, on the positive side of things, if they can, you know, do that, you know, be the productive football team that we've seen flashes of, right. it's just that consistency. You know, I think these games are all winnable. They they could run the table, but on the flip side, if they're not playing their best football, it could go south. So I think a lot to be determined here, but that there's potential here. And they really did it, you know, got a much needed win here tonight. So anything else from the LLC boys? If I'm hearing nothing, Matt Dazzo, you look like you got something there. You're, you're scooting up in your seat. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I got got to move around. So I don't fall asleep. I figured. I, figured. <laughs> I did get some candy a little bit ago. So I'm good. Okay. <laughs> Knoxville it looks like my hair. It looks like I just came through war. Hold on. Hold on. What do you got, Stock? Sorry, Stock. Knoxville is 6-0 for the second time in three years. Knoxville looks good, man. I saw them last week. They look really good. Dazzle, you're like you're like one of my kids. Like, you know, like 
fall asleep in the car and then you get a little candy and then you boost back up. And, yeah. You know, the head try nodding to, and try yeah. to rebound, you know, actually, you know what, you know what it looks like when I'm seeing you like nodding off, falling asleep. It's probably what Duke Schneider used to see in Ambrose classes. No, I'd always <laughs> wear the hat. I'd wear the hat real <laughs> down over the eyes where that where the way you're supposed to wear a hat and not like the kids nowadays with the flat bills and stuff. You'd yeah. form that puppy and there go to go. town. Eight go. man time. Eight man time. Uh, let's go, Mitch. Give us some eight man scores. All right. Uh, the big one Amboy defeats Milledgeville 32 to 20. Polo 64 over 64 nothing, I'm sorry, over uh, Decatur Unity Christian. Ridgewood blanked Peoria Heights 44 nothing. Martinsville beat Blue Ridge 26 to 6. And West Central beat Bushnell Prairie City 36 to 34. Kyle, I'm going to start with you. Give me your reactions to uh, Amboy Milledgeville. How much do you know about this game and kind of how it played out? And what are your what are your takeaways? Well, I was listening to the game uh, on while I was on the sidelines. I had the game on YouTube on my phone. Kyle Leach on the call? <laughs> yes. Yes, of go. course. Got to listen to our buddy Kyle Leach. But, uh, you know, early on it was – very close. It was a two nothing game. There was a safety that gave Amboy the two nothing lead. Then Milledgeville got the score to go ahead six to two. Um, and then Amboy eventually put up two more scores to have a 16 to six lead. Um, and from there, it was just kind of a little bit back and forth. The game, the separation of two scores didn't really resemble the game. The game from what I've been told was played a lot closer than what that two score difference was. Um, what I feel in this game, we definitely know who our top two teams are. I think these are the two teams that we definitely know we're looking at for a shot at the state championship. And we can only hope that they're on opposite sides of the bracket, but, and it's a big, but we do have a big game tomorrow between South Beloit and St. Thomas Moore. That will give us a better picture of where those two undefeated teams lie. We definitely have a good insight on what Bushnell Prairie City is. Um, they had to win the night against West Central. They didn't. They got caught overlooking. They got a tough road ahead of them. So they were projected to make the playoffs at five and four. They might end the season at four and five. They're going to have to pull an upset somewhere, in my opinion. But Polo and Ridgewood and then Amboy and Milchville, they're definitely the top four teams that we're looking at. And, you know, right now I say you pick one of those four teams, you're you're talking about your state championship at Monmouth. Kyle, I want to ask you about Ridgewood because I know, you know, they've been on the radar now. They were good last year and, um, you know, made it to what quarterfinals and played played tough throughout the season. But I think in talking to you, you weren't, quite sold on them yet what do you think this year they haven't won the big games but they've played competitive against polo and they played competitive against amboy it feels like a few plays here or there man come playoff time if they get the right bounces they could win those games right yeah i mean i was talking to coach elder earlier this week and uh he just he feels like they're just they're they're missing out a couple things i said hey you're right there you know, you guys are looking great. He goes, not good enough. So uh, he knows that there's some things that they have done to, you know, especially that polo game. They, in all honesty, they should have beat polo. 
and they didn't. And, um, you know, a, a guy like Coach Elder, who's got all this experience and whatnot, you don't typically find him being out coached. You know, usually it comes down to the guys on the field, uh, either executing or lack thereof. And I, I do, I, I'm high on Ridgewood this year. I, I have been all year. And, and even with the close losses uh, to Amboy and Polo, I still feel they're right there. I think what tonight did with Amboy beating Milledgeville, it is it really showed us that perhaps that game between Milledgeville and Polo, while Milledgeville won that one by 36 points, maybe Polo really ain't that far off from them considering the fact that they beat Ridgewood by almost the exact same score that Amboy beat Ridgewood. But we'll get a better answer when those two square off here in a couple weeks too. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. Anything else from anybody here? Stock? Yeah. Um, Landon Wetchell scored and ran for three touchdowns tonight for Amboy. Um, and that means you know, Amboy has a very, has a very varied attack. Eddie Jones throws a lot to Brennan Blaine. And then now with Welchel adding another dimension to that uh, Clipper offense, the Clippers are really clipping down the field at a uh, fast rate. And um, I just think Amboy could very well uh, win state with an unbeaten record. They are, that, they are really good. Yeah. Uh, I heard on the uh, Third and Lang podcast with Edgy Tim, Edgy Tim is catching his first eight-man game in person Tomorrow, I guess if you're listening to this, maybe today with the South Beloit St. Thomas Moore game up in uh, South Beloit. So to the Sobos, watch out for Edgy Tim. He'll be walking the sidelines at your uh, at your game. He also hinted at maybe a trip to Quincy for uh, either. Well, at the time, Quincy Geneseo was looking like a, a marquee matchup. Um, maybe he's going to pivot. <laughs> Well, yeah, but Quincy and Geneseo, if they're not both undefeated in conference play anymore, takes little luster off that one, but um, who knows? Anyway. All right, boys. We wrapping this thing up? Yeah, Dazzo needs to go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) When when are we going to (laughs) start? This is, Dazzo, this is the part of the podcast where you come in and say, hey, what about talking about (laughs) 8-Man? I listened to the whole thing ish (laughs) hey if i could be serious for a minute i thank all of you guys for helping me out for the past 100 episodes 100 of these things it's awesome man it's really awesome yeah very cool so mitch we got we got like 500 more episodes or more yeah sure yeah yeah all right (laughs) so no thank you to everyone who's here on this panel thank you to everyone who listens 100 episodes. We're not even close to being done yet. We got way more things to talk about. We never stop talking. That's what that's what we do best. So we're going to keep talking if you're going to keep listening. So thank you to everyone who listens. And uh, we'll see you back on the regular podcast on Tuesday morning. Mitch, we'll be breaking down the week that was and looking ahead to week seven. And uh, we're really in the playoff push now. We can really, the picture, you know, is getting a little more clear. And we're seeing some teams that are making a move. and. Yeah, a few more marquee matchups down the way, but it's it's exciting times. So, all right, boys, get some sleep, and we'll be back talking week seven. <laughs>